From Bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file recommendations, make reports, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back room into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe we'll escape from the sub-basement and its subterranean hell, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Happy social distancing to you. Oh, and a happy social distancing to you, sir, wherever you are. I think you're on the other side of the room, but it's very dark in here. I'm very distant. I'm feeling rather social. Feeling social. So you're not emotionally distant. Yes. You're just physically distant. Yes. Oh, okay. I, you know, sometimes I worry, you know, we spend a lot of time down here together in the basement. And I think, is he drifting away from me? Are we drifting apart as co-workers, as people trapped in a basement together for uh, five years now? It's actually just that uh, the slope of the basement is, you know, going downhill. And I'm like, oh. the chair has rollers, so. I'm, oh, yes, of course. Like, right. So I'm literally physically getting more distant over time. Yeah, I've, I understand. And I actually have been increasing that gradient slowly but surely with my with a little shovel. Oh, yeah? So we get more and more of, a, of an angle. So if, honestly, if, if you're feeling distant physically, it's really my fault. Okay. I won't hold it against you. No, no. I, I'm doing it because I'm pretty sure that the earth is probably going to tilt on its angle when the poles shift. So we need to like change the angles of our floors so that when it happens, it'll, it'll right itself. Right. So that we're not all like throwing ourselves across the room, like uh, actors in a Star Trek show. Precisely. Whoa. whoa yeah. My favorite part of any Star Trek episode. Yeah. Is, is the, you, you nailed it. Any, any, uh, should we take attendance? We should take attendance. All right, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, who first attendee tonight? Uh, Dean Chappelle. No. Oh, Dean Chappelle. He's uh, he's well known as the well. I shouldn't say well known. He's a bit of a, a Hollywood secret. He's uh, he's a vendor and owl meat chef to the stars. Owl meat. I didn't know that was yes. a thing. Yes, not many know that uh, owl meat is the secret to the extended youthfulness and charisma of uh, Hollywood's A-list. Really? What, yeah. is it, what is it about the owls and their meat? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, I, think, I, think it's their, um, I think it's their nocturnal uh, habits and the, the chemicals that generates in, the, in their meat that, uh, that provides that sort of youthful kick. To, uh, to I mean, you may notice, for example, that Russell Crowe, about 10 years ago, swore off owl meat. And, uh, well, you, you've seen the results. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he, knew, he knew what could happen, but he did it anyway. And now he looks like just one of us. It's one of the reasons I like him more than the other celebrities. There you go. And, and there are risks to, having, to consuming too much owl meat. For example, um, at some point, Paul Rudd took too much owl meat and now that's why he doesn't age anymore oh, and now his and now his mind is like dying and deranged and roaming the hallways of his like eternally youthful body like an angry ghost right i'm ant-man look at me i'm ant-man <laughs> yes he'll soon I'm, believe he's ant-man you know no matter what so i'm the smallest superhero <laughs> get it get off get off my lawn i'm ant-man get out get out of my get out of my farm get off <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, just one, just one gigantic crystal of sugar. Thank you, thank you very much. Get away from my pheromone trail. Uh, anywho, that's that's Aunt May. That's Paul Rudd for you. Um, but he's not. So I, no, I was hoping he'd show up with a with a platter of delicious owl meat. Um, but uh, looks like that's not happening. Darn. Oh, you know why? And uh, sorry, I. I, I know this is kind of unusual for me, uh, but I, th- I believe I've mixed up the letters in, in the name. I oh, can't believe it. You're such a professional. I know. Uh, this, is a, this is a terrible oversight. Please don't report me to HR. Uh, so Dean Chappelle, it should be Paul Deschen. And that is me. Okay, you're Paul Deschen, and you're here. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so attendee 
And, uh, oh, we get uh, Angia Rodman as our second attendee. No, I don't see an Angia Rodman. Angia Rodman, the cherry pit king of Wisconsin. Ooh. Uh, I didn't know there was money in cherry pits. Oh, yes, there is. I mean, you know, he set out back in the Depression to make his fortune uh, in his millions in cherry pits. He would sneak into the cherry yards at night and steal the pits after the, the you know, after the berries had been extracted. And then he sold them as uh, like neck warmers. You know, you heat them up in the microwave and you put them around your neck. Oh. You know, like you can do that with oatmeal, but you can do it with cherry pits as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. Did, did he chew the cherries off them? No, no, he did not. He didn't chew the, he, he didn't touch the cherry. He didn't touch the cherries. Those were used by, um, you know, big cherry. Oh, okay. So. To make it. Uh, he, he actually defended himself against several lawsuits from Big Cherry, uh, won the right to use the pits. But then Big Cherry, just their counter move was to invent people staying at home by the fire. So they warmed up that way. Oh, uh, smart and, move. And suddenly those uh, neck warmers and, uh, and the cherry pit lined coats just became useful. Huh. I think it's time to bring that back. I think so too. Yeah. Like an entire coat lined with cherry pits that you mm-hmm. could like, you know, put in the microwave and then just sort of wear out like a, you know, like a, like a, like a hot dandy man on the town. Um, the cherry pits, I have a story. Uh, Witches of oh. Eastwick. There's the scene where, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. She was an SCTV actress and uh, the Witches of Eastwick had cast some kind of spell so that all the cherries they were spitting out were coming out of her mouth. And oh right! By the end of the scene, she's vomiting up great gouts of cherries onto the floor. Cherry pits. Goodness and gracious! Great gouts of cherries. I actually find it difficult to eat cherries on account of this scene. Well, the good news is you don't have to eat the cherries. You just have to enjoy the uh, pit-lined outfits. Right, and I don't think I could. I don't. Think I would. I would flash to that. It's very triggering. Very, very triggering for me. The thought of uh, cherry pits in my coats. Hmm. Well, we'll uh, maybe uh, peach pits for you then. Oh, that would be fine. That'd be totally fine. Yeah, it would be. It would be a lumpier cut, but it would still work. I think I could. I think I could carry it off. I'm feeling pretty lumpy yeah. after six months of being stuck indoors. I think peach pits are the way to go. Yeah, that's, these are these are lumpy times, and lumpy measures must be taken. Yeah, uh, lumpy but anyway, measures. I don't <laughs> the lumpiest. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Mr. Robman, uh, the cherry pit king of Wisconsin, does not appear to be. Uh, oh, hold on. Oh, this is embarrassing. I, th- I seem to have done this twice. Twice in one meeting. Um, please don't report me. Uh, should be a mix up the letters and if you should be Aiden Morgan. Sorry, what was that again? You, you phased should out be there. Aiden Morgan. Oh, Aiden Morgan. Uh, should be Aiden Morgan. Yes. Yes, that's you. That's me. All right. And you're here. I'm here. Excellent. So I think that's, I think that's everybody. Do we have quorum? I no. No, we don't. Are we close at least? Um, it's hard. There's, there's no real way of knowing that. Uh, okay. So what's on, what's on uh, today, tonight's agenda? Excellent question. There was earlier today, uh, word came out that Mayor Fougere was making a huge announcement on the uh, plaza this morning. And uh, the city's media all gathered and everybody's wondering, ooh, I wonder what he could be uh, announcing today on the plaza and i was like finally he's going to be announcing his clothing line Ooh, finally finally i mean he's a snappy dresser he is he is and it's about time that he had his own clothing line uh unfortunately that didn't turn out to be what happened it wasn't an announcement about his clothing line he was announcing his re-election that made Hmm. me sad because you know i i was actually doing a little bit of moonlighting and i i had built him a whole advertisement to launch his clothing line uh, called Marewear by Fougere. <laughs> yes. Oh, indeed. And uh, so, so I made this whole advertisement. He didn't announce the clothing line. Uh, so, you know, kind of hurt my feelings. So I thought I would uh, premiere the commercial for Marewear uh, by Fougere on uh, today's QCIB. I think this is a fine idea. Let, we, should hear, we should hear your Marewear by Fougere advertisement. Hey, you there. Is that really what you're going to wear? You know, you look pretty square. 
Does that sound unfair? I don't care. You need something new to wear. You need Mareware by Fougere. Hate to sound so doctrinaire, but there's no reason to dress threadbare. Now you're aware of Mareware by Fougere. If your look's in disrepair, don't despair. From Times Square to Delaware, there's Mareware everywhere. You'll look like a millionaire, I swear. They can't touch you, you're so laissez-faire. It's a fit prepared for class warfare. Dropping nom de guerres like Voltaire. In your Mareware by Fougere. Step onto the cover of Vanity Fair. Oh, oh, mon frère, très debonair, dans vos mirroirs par fougère. Forswear the square, don't go bare. Wear your flair like a mare with Mareware by Fougère. So that was uh, our commercial for Mareware by Fougère. That's great. Unfortunately, though, he seems to not be as enthused about launching this clothing line as I am. Huh. Wow. I mean, that's, that's even better than like when we were like living outside of the city and you came up with uh, Reeve Greaves and Sleeves. I mean, that was... I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a weird outfit, frankly, but, uh, you know, all the, all the Reeves going around with Sleeves and Greaves. But, uh, you know, I, 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 like, I like the spirit. Yeah, I kind of I feel like the Reeves and Greaves uh, thing kind of it kind of fell apart when uh, all of those Reeves and counselors in the rural municipality kind of ended up getting fired or in court. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They had all their Greaves confiscated. Yeah, and their and their Falcons had nowhere to perch. So. And they tried to throw me under the bus. But, uh, L- literally. Yeah. Yeah. The it's bus still... back to Regina. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this is uh, 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. We are the Queen City Improvement Bureau. And uh, yeah, so sadly, I think what happened is this clothing line launch got upstaged by uh, the mayor's announcement that he's going to run for re-election re- uh, in the upcoming municipal election. Wait, he's going to, the mayor is going to run to be mayor? I know. I didn't think, I thought there'd be some kind of double jeopardy or something there. Exactly. Or he could just, you know, send out the troops and declare declare himself for, like, eternal mayor. You would. The mayor eternal, Fougere. mayor eternal. I, I, I kind of like that idea. I like the sound of it. Maybe I don't like the idea so much, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I guess he's, uh, he's, he is running. Uh, he, he's not going to declare uh, mayor martial law. And, uh, <laughs> That's a special thing. Special kind of martial law. Yeah, yeah, but you know these are these are dark, difficult times, and uh, I think that was shown in uh, his choice of uh, his camp- His main campaign plank was not expanding the city budget, no tax increase, and he urged other councillors and other uh, other council candidates and other mayoral candidates to jump on his uh, no budget expansion bandwagon. Right. So don't do anything and don't charge anybody anymore. Yeah. So uh, where do you stand on this? Well, as much as much as I like the idea of not having to pay any more in taxes, um, because, hey, I, I too have a, a wallet, which occasionally has money in it. And when that when there's money in that wallet, do I want to give it to some pencil neck bureaucrat? Literally, they actually have pencils for necks, apparently. Um, so we would when know. they have to... We would know, yes. Sometimes we have to like take our heads off and actually sharpen our necks. It's a, uh, it's it's a painful and strange process, and the sharpeners are disgusting. But that's that's a whole other thing. Um, anyway, as much as I like to keep a bit of that money in my wallet, I I also like actual services and the additional revenue that gives cities the flexibility to expand programming and room to maneuver. Uh, and also, I think it's weird because we, the city owes a fair amount of money these days. There's a, there's a stadium that is just not getting used at all this year. And it seems to me that this is not, a, not the best time to just sort of put the brakes on the normal course of things. Yeah. That's my feeling. The, every year it gets more expensive to run the city. I mean, there's multiple reasons for it. Just inflation, which um, mm-hmm. used to be 
a thing that was talked about a lot in budget documents. It's been backgrounded in the most recent ones, but the municipal inflation rate, the inflation rate that's paid by cities, is higher than the inflation rate that uh, individuals face. So things like concrete, um, uh, not presently fuel, but in the past fuel was a big problem, uh, building materials, uh, and labor. These things are all, uh, mm-hmm. the, the rates, the, the cost of this goes up at a much faster rate than say like bread and milk does uh, and like household things. So the cost of running the city also increases because as much as the city likes to say that growth pays for growth, the fact that we can't fill in all the potholes, the fact that our water infrastructure is falling to pieces suggests that growth has not and is not paying for growth. And yet the city continues to grow. So we know that our costs are going to continue to go up. Uh, I don't see how this is anything other than like a temporary political move. And with COVID, I, like, I get that nobody wants to increase the burden on homeowners, but uh, the demands on the city from home- homeowners has also increased because of COVID. So right. uh, I, like, I, 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 I guess I understand it as maybe perhaps a temporary strategic thing, but uh, the, when Mayor Fougere was elected in 2012, one of the first things that he had to do in his first term was impose some pretty high mill rate increases. And this was a result of, under the previous mayor, Fiaco, there had been three budgets where the, ma- the mill rate had not increased at all. It had been zero. And that had exacerbated our infrastructure deficit, which is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a massive infrastructure deficit. And so we had to have like really high mill rate increases in his first term just to cover that uh, lost revenue that we didn't have under the FIACA. So this is something we're going, we're, we're eventually going to have to pay for this. And it would be nice if we could borrow to cover operating, but the province doesn't allow us to do that, uh, which is too bad because interest rates are effectively zero right now for cities. Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice if um, the province would give us more tools to generate revenue that weren't uh, prevent or sorry property tax. But again, they haven't done that uh, that either. So the city's kind of in a bind it, uh, where taxing is concerned. So it almost feels as if the current uh, provincial administration is not interested in our urban areas very much. Is do you think? Uh, you know, I mean. I, I have I have endless faith in uh, in the SAS party uh, and its and its documented love of uh, Regina and Saskatoon, uh, especially Regina, the home of our of our provincial civil service uh, and all that. But I'm starting to think that maybe just maybe they kind of prefer uh, the rural municipalities uh, a little more for reasons that I cannot possibly fathom. Yeah, I just don't understand it. Um, I barely understand what a rural municipality is. And uh, one could argue... Well, anything, anything outside the Queen City, I, I, find, I find baffling. I, like, so I look at maps sometimes and I'm like, no, that can't be. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. Geography falls apart. Uh, geometry just uh, falls to pieces. It, it's uh, non-Euclidean Lovecraftian nightmares out there. It's nonsense, utter nonsense. Anyways, uh, yeah, well, so that's where we were at. Uh, the mayor has, uh, the, that's, that was the mayor's, the gauntlet that he threw down to the uh, mayoral candidates is that uh, no new taxes. Fair enough. Well, what, what are the other, do we know what the other uh, candidates are campaigning on? Any, any grand promises from them? I'm not 100% sure. I've only just started. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been having trouble getting up to speed uh, with uh, the start of the election season. But uh, I do know that we have, today, we have seven mayoral candidates. We have Michael Fougere. Uh-huh. We have Tony Fiacco, who ran last time. Yes. Ward 10 councillor Jerry Flagel has stepped down and he's going to be running for mayor. Uh, so this, uh, well, I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Jim Elliott is once again uh, running. Jim Elliott. Oh, he's in, he's in it one, once more to win it, is he? Yeah. In it to be in it. In it to be in it. So yes, Jim Elliott is back. Uh, then we also have George Woolridge, who I know very, very little about. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Howes, who I also know very little about. Um, I believe he has opinions on masks and so forth. He does masks and parking lots. And uh, he uh, likes to take pictures of himself with a shirt on. 
uh, around town. So anyway. He's going to win. He's, he, that's our next mayor right there. He's cut. He's really cut. He is the most cut of the mayoral candidates. So if it were just the election, we're just based on who is the most jacked, uh, Mitchell House would be in, in, in a moment. Absolutely. And then uh, the most recent addition is Darren Bradley, who again, oh. just discovered he was running this morning. I know virtually nothing about him or what he stands for. And uh, I've heard rumors that there will be an eighth candidate who will be joining the race. Uh, mm, yes. Uh, well, apparently, you know who this new person is going to be. Yeah. Our eighth candidate is uh, current board chair of Real, uh, Sandra Masters. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about Sandra Masters, but uh, it's nice that it is. Uh, okay. I, I don't know much either. Other, that's true. That's true. And uh, also, uh, she's going to get the coveted uh, steampunk uh, metal arm uh, demographic. I don't get the reference. No, there is no reference. I'm just imagining her with like a steampunk style metal arm. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sort of makes like grinding noises and like it's gouts of steam and smoke. I can't wait to find out what all the other mayoral candidates get <laughs> in your imaginings. And, and at the debate, at the debate, like she'll start off every answer with, oh, and please excuse my metal arm. Um. Now, you know, a minute ago, I had no interest in going to these debates. Now I have all the interest in the world. Yeah, all of them have either superpowers or weird prosthetics, which I will, which I will happily invent for, <laughs> for, for everyone's entertainment, or at least my entertainment. I don't know. Um, the, the mayoral race has gotten far more interesting. Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to like speculate a little bit? Uh, this is the first time that Fougere has faced a challenge since his first run when he was a counselor. And there was no incumbent mayor. Mm-hmm. Natural that you would see a huge right. of people falling out, uh, running against him. Uh, then his, in his second term, there was no, uh, running for a second term, there was nobody else. There was Tony Fiacco, there was Jim Elliott. Uh, and um, so there was, and there were a couple other people, but there was no like legitimate uh, moneyed candidate. Nobody was like a significant uh, chunk of cash right. behind them. Eight people. Uh, Jerry Flagel is a well-known, well-liked counselor. Say what you will about him. Uh, he's not going to be going into this as an unknown quantity who will come off like someone who knows nothing about how the city is run. Uh, I'm sorry, the person you just uh, mentioned from Real? Oh, Sandra Masters. Yeah. Oh, right, Sandra Masters. Yep. Head of Real. She, again, is going to be coming with a lot of information and is going to be a credible candidate. Um, this suggests to me that there is a sense in the city that it might be time for a change in leadership at council. Or at least like a sustained sort of ideological argument against the current, the current positions espoused by, by Fougere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it certainly suggests that there isn't unanimity within uh, the business community in who they're going to uh, back with their, uh, Mm -hmm with their donations. So uh, it'll certainly make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, um, we are running out of time here for this part of the meeting, this item. Uh, so uh, there's just one more election related thing that we had to talk about before uh, we get to the innovative revenue tools. And uh, we, we ran a poll to decide. Right. And this is this is really important. This is like an extremely important thing that needs to be established early in an election cycle. What is going to be the official hashtag for the 2020 Regina election? We ran the poll. The people have cast their votes. The polls closed this morning. We now know what Regina residents want as their official hashtag. And that hashtag is? All right. Well, first of all, the, the hashtags that were in the running were... Hashtag YQR votes. It does, yes. Then there was hashtag YQR election, where election is spelled E-L-X-N. Daring, okay. Then there was hashtag decision YQR. Whoa, almost presidential. Exactly. Um, Oh, and I should mention YQR is the, uh, most people who listen to this show would know those are the uh, letters for us as an airport for Regina. Uh, and then finally, the last item or the last uh, hashtag that was uh, in the running was hashtag rhymes with election. Cheeky, amusing. Yeah. 
So I think it's obvious which one should have won. Obviously, it was the fourth one. Okay. Obviously. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the one that garnered the most votes. Uh, so there were 150 votes cast. Uh, YQR election got 4% of the vote. Decision YQR got 6%. Rhymes with election got 32%. And taking Ooh. 58% of the vote was YQR votes. A landslide. It was it was very decisive. Uh, that is the uh, the hashtag that was la- used the last uh, two or three elections. So it's no surprise that it was the uh, the nostalgic favorite. Uh, it had the name recognition. Can we can we be like the electoral college and override the will of the people? Mm, I absolutely intend to. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going with rhymes with election. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I I, I also as as the other member of the uh, hashtag electoral college um, agree. Okay. Hashtag rhymes with election. Most of the uh, city hall uh, press corps weighed in on this, so I suspect uh, they were the ones who were pushing for the YQR votes. <laughs> they have a, they appeal to a different audience than uh, this is true. And we we can share hashtags. We can we can use both. Right. Okay. So with that, we should probably move on to the pre-recorded innovative revenue tools. Ooh. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue. Every week, every week they do themselves with those pre-recorded Innovative Revenue tools. They absolutely do. Every one of those products and events and attractions they talk about, I am going to partake in. Me too, 100%. Um, unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I don't have an innovative revenue tool. I kind of blew my load on Mareware. Uh, that's, that's fine. I, uh, I did the same on um, uh, thinking about stuff. <laughs> Steampunk arms. Steampunk arms, yes, yes. I, uh, I mean, actually, like ridiculous prosthetics is always where my brain goes. You know, when I need comedy at, at a moment's notice. But uh, I see a future for this. You must have been a, a laugh at the uh, high school improv club. I was. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> In, indeed, I was. Yeah, I need a. I, I, I need a word from the audience. Oh, I heard prosthetic. <laughs> I heard bat-like leathery wings. No, you didn't. Anyways. Hey, do you want to talk about who else is running in the election? Hot diggity. I do. Because it's, I think it's big news. Uh, there's not a lot of people yet. Uh, the official nomination period doesn't start until September 22nd. So if you're interested in running in uh, Regina City Council, that is the first official day that you can get your papers in to run in the election. Hmm. Uh, and uh, that nomination period runs into October. The In Ward 1 so far, we know that Barb Young is running again. Mm-hmm. And she's up against uh, Cheryl Stadnichuk, who is a... Uh, she's worked with the unions for a long time. That's all I know about her. Mm-hmm. Ward 2, Bob Hawkins is currently running unopposed. All right. In Ward 3. Now, Ward 3 is one of the wards that has changed shapes. So Ward 3, which used to stretch across uh, from Cathedral through downtown and into Heritage, now is Cathedral up into North Central. Uh, Andrew Stevens there is the incumbent, and he's running up against uh, Elmer Ashapi. So, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know Elmer, but uh, I've, I've, I know people who do and say he's a nice guy. Ward 4, Lori Brashani is at present running unopposed. Ward 5, John Fendura is also running unopposed. Ward 6, Joel Murray is running up against uh, Dan LeBlanc. Ward 6 is another ward that, is, uh, that has changed shape. So it used, to, it used to be North Central and the Warehouse District. Uh, it is now a chunk of the Warehouse District. And what does that look like? Uh, down, into, down, t- uh, down into Heritage and up into the <laughs> Northeast. Ward 7, Sharon Bryce's territory. There she is being challenged by Shabna Radon's and Tarina Shaw. Ward 8 is open. Uh, Councillor O'Donnell chose not to run again. So in Ward 8, we have Alex DeCatch, Reed Hill, and Shannon Zakidniak, who we know from the Enviro Collective. Right. Okay. 
Ward 9, Jason Mancinelli, is running against Robert Humphreys, who I don't know about yet, but I'm sure we'll find out. <laughs> and then Ward 10, this is the big surprise. Nobody knew until just a couple weeks ago that Flagel was going to do a mayoral run. So Ward 10, there is no incumbent. And currently there is Adam Anderson, Blaine Dodds, and Patrick Dennis, or Denny, I'm not sure which, is running in Ward 10. So... Um, we've got two wards without an incumbent. Those, those always make for the most interesting runs. And I'm sure that in those places where Calvin's are running unopposed, that is going to change soon enough. So. Let us have none of them on the show to talk about their platforms. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. That was, uh, that was maybe not the, uh, the most enjoyable thing ever. Anyways, that's civic awesome. duty was, was a terrible idea. Yeah. There's so many of them and so few hours in a, in a three-month stretch. I know. Anyways, um, so that's our election so far, and it's only going to get more fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, where are we? Sorry, I'm just trying to find my notes. Now. So there's other stuff that's been going on in the city apart from uh, mayoral announcements and candidates and uh, election stuff. The business of the city carries on. And I'm sure, you, sure you've heard about it. Uh, Regina Planning Committee had an exciting item pop up a couple of, like last week. The Capitol Point site, which is currently just a big flat uh, chunk of land covered in crusher dust. The oh. owners uh, re- who are represented, I'm not 100% clear on how the ownership works. The representative at Planning Commission was a guy from a... a financial firm called Magnetic Capital. And uh, Magnetic, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% clear if Magnetic actually owns the property or if they represent the people who own the property. I think they actually own it. And it sounds like they were one of the biggest creditors when the Capital Point deal fell apart. And through the court case, they were handed the lot, which is currently valued at about $2 million Canadian. (laughs) So Magnetic... What do you want to guess? Uh, no, sorry, I'm going to change that. Uh, so no big surprise. We've been waiting on in the QCIB for this to come up at Planning Commission for years now. They want to turn the Capital Point lot into a parking lot. Oh, I was uh, pretty sure we were going to go with um, amusement park. No. Oh. It's like they don't even listen to these meetings. I know. So... Uh, yeah, they came out to argue their case that they should be allowed to put a parking lot. Uh, they did say that it would not be forever. What they want to build is a one-year park surface parking lot, no less, on uh-huh. the site. Uh, and they have argued that what's going on is they have a super double-top secret development plan for the Capital Point site that... Sh- oh. They can't tell anybody about it. Only for so that because to tell us about it would ruin it, or like it would be like like when you blow the candles on your birthday cake. If you say it out loud, it doesn't come true. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. It's the magic of development is is a fickle thing, and you can't mm-hmm. you can't toy with it by just telling anybody. Oh, exactly. Right. You don't want to jinx it. Yeah. So they wouldn't tell council, sorry, they wouldn't tell Regina Planning Commission uh, what their super secret development plan is, except to say that it's so awesome. It's like <laughs> a vast development plan. Clearly. And they have all these Ontario developers and investors Whoa. interested in taking part in this. Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you know it's Because East Coast. Oh. Easterners don't just throw their money around at any old development in Regina that's going to be the largest building in Saskatchewan and have a hotel and a condo tower involved. Wow. Senpai noticed us. <laughs> right? So we have to take this seriously. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so Ontario investors are, in, are involved. But uh, COVID-19 has made investment markets really skittish. Uh, our representative from uh, Magnetic was saying. And so we have to, we have to prove to these Ontario investors that not only is Magnetic serious about developing this lot, but the city isn't serious about having this lot developed by making tribute to these Ontario investors. Uh, oh, of course. Of a temporary parking lot. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, 
That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. That will appease the gods of investment on Bay Street. Bay Street. Oh, do you, th- do you think they'll come? In- do you think they'll come out to like park in the parking lot? Oh gosh, I hope we have a parking stall big enough for their limos. Oh, oh yeah, just picture like the stretch limos, and they pull up, and they're like, "Take us, take us to Mister Breakfast." They'll say, and yeah. we'll be like, yeah, "Yeah," but it's Sunday, and they'll say, "So, like, Mister Breakfast isn't open on Sunday," and they'll say, "What kind of ho dunk?" Like backwater, are we throwing our money at? And we'll say, no, come back. But they'll drive over us with their limousines never to be seen. Yeah, yeah. And they'll all be careful. They'll all have that completely inexplicable and impossible to imitate uh, accent, that Margaret Atwood accent. That, (laughs) yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to, I hope, I hope they come to council to plead their case for their bargaining law. You know, you know who has the best, like, pan-eastern uh, Canadian accent in the city? Who? Arthur. Arthur, Arthur Crummy White. Or White Crummy. He does. Yeah. He does. He's got that, he's got that perfect sort of like modern Ontario, but from like, probably from like, I think Newfoundland with the name like Crummy. There is some Newfoundland in there. Yeah. And so he just nails it. So we have to have him on again so he can, so he can do that, do his voice. Do your accent, Arthur. Do your accent. <laughs> Act like an Easterner. Yeah. Tell us how you need a parking lot. I think, yeah, I think we should, you should cosplay as a Bay Street uh, bigwig. <laughs> so I'll go uh, for Halloween this year. I'll go door to door demanding surface parking. I, did, I didn't go to Upper Canada Academy just, <laughs> just have to beg for a parking lot. Yeah. And yet we made them beg. We made them beg at Planning Commission. Serves them right. And they didn't get it at Planning Commission. Ha! I'm all turned around now on these Ontarians. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I was very surprised by this. Uh, despite their arguments, um, Councillor Stevens was the most aggressive on this. He, um, mm-hmm. he pointed out that we have a downtown plan and we have an official community plan, both of which are bylaws. Now. So we have a downtown uh, zone and we have an official community plan backstopped by a zoning bylaw, both of which say that in the downtown zone, you cannot have surface parking as a primary use. They're the ones we already have have been grandfathered in, but no new mm-hmm. surface parking lots. And uh, there's no exemption made for temporary whatsoever. So uh, he, was, uh, he was like, you know, if I can't be told what your super secret awesome development is, uh, I'm kind of not inclined to give you this uh, surface parking lot without knowing more. Uh, and what he did instead was he pointed out that uh, in August at the city council meeting, Councillor Flagel passed a motion uh, wanting a report on temporary parking lots because these have come up several times where people want a temporary parking lot and places are not allowed. So he wanted a report on how do we, like, we need some kind of rules if we're going to be, they've already allowed two temporary surface parking lots downtown. Flagel argues that we need rules for how to allow these. We're not doing it as one-offs. And uh, so he wants a policy. He wants a report on what are the impacts of temporary surface parking? What are the rules around them? And uh, what would be a policy that we could implement? Stephen said, we don't have that report. So he asked to refer the request to build a parking lot on uh, the Capitol Point site back to administration until report. Uh, that's not the end of it. That is just a recommendation to council. So this will be going to the city council meeting on, I believe it's the last Wednesday of the month, which I believe is September 31st. Uh, but at the beginning of the meeting, Councillor Young was mentioning something about a council meeting on September 24th. I don't know if she just got the date wrong because there's nothing scheduled on September 24th. But anyways, if you care about this, you might want to keep your eyes open for when the next council meeting is. Um, so anyways... Before I go on with uh, some more context on this, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking about surface parking lots, which we do far too often. We've got too many of them, and we talk about them too much. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to cut to like my sort of my biggest issue with this is that we have these two rules, as Stevens pointed out. Uh, they're bylaws that say no new surface parking. What kind of business wizard sees that and makes a surface parking lot a linchpin to their development plan in our city? Because sounds, that, sorry, yeah, I know. So, so, sounds like 
Well, it sounds like the, the usual sort of, I mean, anything to do with that capital point sort of lot just seems to be a magnet for, for, for like hucksters from out of town. <laughs> and for the last decade now, the city seems to have like, gone, oh, sure. But now, now finally, we're, there, there's some pushback. Yeah, yeah. And they're even, he even sort of threatened. He said, this development might fall apart if we don't get this parking lot. And then we don't know if we can ever get another development deal on that lot that will lay empty. I was like, wow, passive aggressive much. Wow. Well, you know, that's, that's the way they go. Yeah. And also, like, what kind of house of cards has this parking lot as its linchpin, except like a literal house of cards? <laughs> Maybe that's what that's maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, uh, I, I did a little bit of looking into it. They said that they need this parking lot to cover the cost of property taxes. Property taxes on that site are currently forty five thousand dollars a year. That may sound like a lot, but for a multi million dollar development deal, that is chicken scratch. Uh, obviously, yes. Um, meanwhile, they could, uh, based on, uh, how much, uh, parking spots they have, they're saying they want to put 85 parking stalls there. They, uh, they could rent those 85 parking stalls out for a year for, and I just, this is just back the napkin guess based on what other people are charging for, uh, annual and monthly, uh, parking rates, uh, about $175,000 off that site. Okay. If they, if they rent at all 85 stalls. Um, so again, versus a tens of million dollar development project, presumably that's what it's going to cost to develop there, 175K is a rounding error. (laughs) How this can be the thing that if this falls through, this development falls apart. Um, If it falls apart, I'm like, good. Then it's failed its stress test. We know that if we had approved the parking lot... right fall apart for some reason. I have a feeling they, they want a one-year temporary parking lot, at the end of which time they would want another one-year temporary parking lot permit. Exactly. And so on. Yeah, and the administration did admit that you can do that. You can just apply for extensions for as long as you want. Yeah. And we've already seen that with the, um, the Namarind property on Lorne Street downtown, which was a, supposed to be a three-year parking lot. They... Uh, they got to the end of their third year and then they put in their request. It took almost a year for that request to get into council and they got a one year extension. So they've actually going to be, they'll actually have had five years almost by the end of that for that three year parking lot, 1700 Hamilton or 1755 Hamilton was a low cost housing that was torn down in the winter in the midst of the housing crisis when the vacancy rate was effectively 0% in the city. Uh, poor people who lived there were kicked out into the streets to make way for a parking lot there, which justified because they needed the parking for the construction work on Agriculture Place 3 or 2, whatever it is. Um, they claimed to have a development plan, a super secret development plan that was going to be awesome and knock our socks off. And they also applied for an application. They also applied to get an extension on that after their three years. Uh, city administration turned that down, though. So it's basically a vacant lot. They're paying $18,000 a year in, um, in property taxes. They claimed they had to tear down their low-cost housing because it was too expensive to maintain and that they would rather have a parking lot to pave the way for their development. Somehow $18,000 a year in property tax is an acceptable cost versus having a building that they would have actually been making revenue off of. So I think that was one of the more despicable things the council allowed to go forward, people being kicked out in the winter. in a housing crisis. Um, So the idea that this would be a a shoe in the door to a temporary parking lot that stays there indefinitely. I I don't think that's, I don't think that's tinfoil hat thinking. I think that's, I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. I I would, I would not be tremendously surprised if it, if it were to play out that way, I would not be writing letters of, of shock to, to the paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they, there was an earlier uh, delegation who actually, somebody who owns multiple parking lots downtown, and what they were saying is thanks to COVID, uh, parking revenues downtown have cratered. And so um, they have seen an 80% drop in parking revenues at their lots. How, what, like how much? 80%. He actually said 
Holy crow. So in 1975 K they won't even be covering their property taxes with the revenues. If they see, if they can't rent out their spots. So anyways, this, this is concerning because I think this is going to go to council uh, at the end of the month. Uh, I know that Councillor Flagel, he's on Planning Commission. He voted against the referral. He wanted to see this go forward. Councillor Young, Chair of Planning Commission, also wanted to see it go forward. Um, I don't know that there's going to be an appetite at Council to hold up a development on Victoria and Albert. Um, And this is a problem because we have a ton of surface parking downtown. Mm -hmm. Every one of those lots, the idea was... Did you spill? All as well. Um... The idea was that, you know, these surface lots exist, but eventually market conditions will reach a point where it's more profitable to build on these lots than to leave them where they are as surface parking lots. And yet we just passed through the biggest financial, the biggest economic boom time in Saskatchewan history since like 1911, and not a single parking lot was turned into a building. Um, Meanwhile, we have a downtown plan that... We've passed this rule that you can't have downtown or you can't have downtown surface parking because currently right now, uh, property taxes on a building are incredibly high. Property taxes on a vacant lot are the same as the property taxes on a parking lot. They're incredibly low. Like any, any chucklehead could make enough parking revenue off a parking lot in normal times and make a tidy profit downtown. Um, and that's a problem. Like that's a disincentive to build downtown. Right. The downtown plan, that bylaw and that prohibition is supposed to be the thing that gives council cover so that it's supposed to redress that upside down incentive structure so the council can say, our hands are tied. We can't let you have a surface parking lot. You have to figure something out. Uh, And unfortunately, too often, council is willing to say, oh, no, we'll make an exception for you, which totally takes the teeth out of the downtown plan and completely leaves that incentive structure in place so that having a parking lot is a really profitable thing to do instead of it being something that's just not allowed. Yeah. So I think, um, and I mean, I, I think what we're going to see is this temporary parking lot policy is going to come through and it's going to, it's going to set up a framework so that temporary parking lots can be allowed that will completely undercut the uh, downtown plan, there will no longer be a, an incentive for developers to get their eggs, like ducks, get their ducks and their duck eggs in a row before they come to council with a, with a development plan and they'll all be falling back on the temporary parking lot. So I think that's going to like completely, uh, um, you know, hamstring the uh, downtown plan in another way because council has been bends over backwards to make exceptions to the downtown plan. Uh, the temporary parking lot in Capital Point, my prediction is that it will be passed, if not at this council meeting, uh, early in 2021 when this temporary uh, parking lot policy comes through. Um, and I don't, I, I, my guess is that Capital Point development is going to get held up for a long period of time and we're going we're gonna to be back in the, uh, we're going to be back waiting for a building that's just never going to get built. So, Well, I mean, I have, I have my ideas about what to develop there. Oh, uh, do tell. Three words, underground, Ferris, and wheel. Ooh. Um, In that order. I thought the whole idea of a Ferris wheel was that it would like take you up high over things. Uh, it, it'll take you up to ground level. Ooh, that's pretty exciting. On the prairie. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, as high and as you can get. And people will be so glad that they actually can see light again when it comes to the top. They'll be like, oh my God, we're actual light and air. And then they're plunged down to the darkness once more. They'll throw their hands up in the air and they'll scream. Woo! Yeah. Even though it happens fairly slowly, yeah. they will still be screaming, but just at like having to like go through it, this sort of like plunge back down into darkness. Yeah. As if being sort of entombed alive. And you know, any city can have the tallest Ferris wheel. They, you know, that's, that's nothing. Right. But the lowest Ferris wheel? The lowest, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, that's my very good idea. I think that's an excellent idea. I think that's better than a surface parking lot by a long shot. <laughs> I agree. Or we could have like a Ferris wheel that's also a parking lot. You park your car in like little cabs and it just spins you around. I think that's a, that's got to be a thing. <laughs> I'm sure they have that in Japan. <laughs> it sounds like it's a thing somewhere. <laughs> you drive onto the lot and your car just goes shunk down and then you have to wait until it does tire rotation before you can leave. 
Yes. It's like to, it's a disincentive from parking, frankly, mm-hmm. but it can be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, we need more disincentives to parking. We have too much parking. It's too easy to park. And I don't have a car. Exactly. So all that parking space is wasted on me. Yeah. Can't, I can't like walk downtown and then like take a nap on like an open stall. I say, no, that's for a car. Yeah. But why? Yeah. How is, how is a human life, a body more important than a, just a hunk of metal and plastic? I have no idea. No, every parking, uh, every car has multiple parking spots in a city for it. So mm-hmm. as, as many cars as we have, we have more parking spots and most of them sit idle most of the time. Or sit empty. Right. Um, if we could turn it into housing somehow, I don't know. Or just or find some way to like fold up those parking spots when they're not in use so they don't take up so much space. I think that was an innovative revenue tool from like early on in our uh, tenure. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah. Delightful. Anyways, uh, we are running out of time. Oh, okay. Shall we, uh, shall we make a motion to adjourn the meeting? I will make that motion. All right. And I will, uh, according to Terry's rules of order, I will second that motion. Bing bong. Okay. Motion passed. Meeting adjourned. You've been listening to 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. And this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Uh, you can find us, of course, uh, on 91.3 FM. Also, uh, cjtr.ca.ca. Remember, there's a new website and it looks smashing. Go check it out. Uh, and our the Listen Live uh, widget has actually got better streaming quality now, so better audio. Uh, for your listening enjoyment. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Queen City IB, and our website, queencityib.com. It's true. Um, there are no guests today, but uh, as always, our music was by Guidewire. So thank you to Guidewire. Coming up next, we've got the cockpit, then uh, the Nerdcore Cabaret. We are broadcast live on 7 to 8 p.m. Thursday, and Monday afternoon, we broadcast 3 to 4 p.m. I believe that's all I have to say. Keep on improving, Richard.